0: Welcome to Geared for Growth. I'm your host, Mike Mortlock, Managing Director of MCG Quantity Surveyors. Now, if you've looked online or read a newspaper, you'll probably see that property prices are going down. We're in a declining market. So I wanted to talk to Joe Bell from BuySmart about how to actually purchase property as an investor in a declining market. We talk about identifying how to understand whether the market is declining, how to purchase a property when the comparables might not necessarily reflect the deflated, deflated prices, and how to strike that delicate balance between not insulting the vendor with your offer, but also making sure you're getting value and ideally trying to get something under market value. There's some great gold in this podcast from Joe and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Here's Joe. Joe Bell, thanks for joining me on Geared for Growth.
1: Hi, Mike. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: A pleasure. Now, I want to get you into maybe sort of uh, put, put a bit of a an effort back against the uh, current media zeitgeist that is to say the world is a declining market right now if you read any publicity uh, the market's going down so the the subject of today is is how to purchase well in a declining market i think it begs the question you know given the fact that we're always told there's markets within markets is everywhere going down at the moment
1: no, Mike, not everywhere is going down at the moment. And, in fact, I'm coming to you today from Yipoon, which is an east coast town, uh, 30 minutes drive from Rockhampton, central oh. Queensland, central north Queensland, beef capital of Australia.
0: Is it indeed, right? It is. The, the beef like to have that uh, sea breeze.
1: They do, they definitely do. So here in Yipoon, I'm, I've am i had a great couple of years buying property here in Yipoon for my investor clients. And the reason I've chosen Yipoon is because it's undervalued when you look at other seaside locations across the eastern seaboard. Here in Yipoon, you car- I'm currently buying four bedroom, two bathroom, two garage homes, 800 to 900 square metre blocks of land, 500 metres to the water's edge, and we're getting them under 700,000. It's a very low vacancy rate town. So uh, the rentals are in high demand. And it, this is proven to be a great market. The growth value here is is increasing. So what I would have bought for 650 six months ago is now selling at 700. So we are in a rising market here. But it's true, there are some parts of Australia that are declining. And mostly they're areas, Mike, where they boomed uh, excessively in the last 2 years and people jumped in and purchased way above even the market value at the time under auction conditions.
0: Yeah and I suppose if we put that media commentary into context the the vast majority of locations are going to be above where they were pre-pandemic and you know the pandemic property market in many locations could be could be described as 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 feverish, right? We're, we're talking about people that are just doing anything not to miss out on the next property, and prices are blowing way over reserve. So you know, it's it's not it's not an unusual circumstance that we're in. I mean, you could you could potentially have predicted this given the heat of the market and where you know comparables were thrown out the window. It's just whatever I've got to pay to get this thing.
1: You're absolutely right, and what we also saw so. Auctions um, became, I guess, were introduced in Victoria and Victoria is a very strong auction market. The weakest auction market typically and historically in Australia was Brisbane. But in the last two years, we saw an increase, a substantial increase in auction clearances in Brisbane. So this was the preferred method of sale. And I was certainly buying in Brisbane during this period of time and agents would not entertain a pre-auction offer in more cases than not because they knew that there would be that competition element at auction and they could leverage off that to get, a, a, a you know, a crazy high price. I saw some ridiculous things during this period of time. Mm. So um, in terms of that element of com- competition, we are definitely not seeing that now. And this is why in this market things are far more rational and both parties tend to feel like they're walking away from the negotiation table having a win. Is, yep. uh, it's how I like to get the outcome anyway.
0: Well, I suppose uh, we're advocating mostly for the buyers on this show. So um, firstly, before we sort of talk about how to buy well when you know the market is in decline, um, let's answer the question, should you buy when the market's in decline? Because when you talk to... Uh, buyers agents and real estate agents the anecdotal evidence is that people really want to see the green shoots first now my argument is that it's often way too late with the data lag but do you think that people should kind of look at a declining market and think well i better be careful because if i don't time this at least in some degree i'm going to be negative straight away or should they be taking more of a longer term view
1: well, I think always in property, um, a longer term view is sensible because the cost to enter and the cost to exit is substantial in Australia. Mm. So I don't think we should ever be buying with the view to turnover in 12 months or for 24 months. But certainly in, in any market, but particularly a declining market, it is sensible to buy because we could be at the bottom right now. Nobody is very accurate in being able to forecast the top or the bottom of any market. Mm-hmm. And so today could be the bottom, and if you hold, you could find yourself in a month's time with it rising again, and that is certainly a possibility. But I think uh, if you if you're doing your homework, if you're not using a buyer's agent. The key here is to understand the market, and it takes time. It's not something you can throw five minutes at. You really do need to analyse where you're buying. You need to have a very clear view about the type of property you're wanting to buy. So is it a townhouse? Is it a unit? Is it a home? And have the location and the brief very tight for yourself because that will then guide you and keep you channeled and focused. Um, the, The next part to it is in any market you shouldn't pay more than what it's worth. And I'm a big believer in real value. Market value is hype. Market value is what someone is prepared to pay for a property. Real value is how a property actually stacks up, given its size, its location, its access to amenity and transport. They're the fundamentals that give it its value. And yes, there is an element of what comparable properties have sold for. But I'll give you, recently I I had a look at a property and the owner of that property was justifying the price because a house next door sold for a particular price a year ago things yeah. were very different a year ago so um it's what someone will pay but i think if you if you're sensible and you do your homework a downturning market understanding where the bottom is who knows so why 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 delay because crazy stuff can happen in a month
0: yeah and and when we are in a declining market now yapoon being the asterisk and we'll throw it to the side for the moment but most most property investors are probably looking in declining markets uh at, at the moment there, there's buying opportunities right because there's going to be a lack of competition and when we see the green shoots we get the sheep coming to the table wanting to to jump in right so the, the, this has to be to, it has to represent a good time for property investors to jump in right
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Now is the best time. And and if you are a true investor and you're looking to rent a property out, we've got a rental boom going on at the moment. So again, there would be no better time. We're seeing properties being bidded on for rentals in Brisbane um, because the market is so tight for rentals. One property comes on the market for a rent. There are cars lined up all the way down the street. I'm seeing that personally. So uh, because of those dynamics, the uh, about 70% of Australian property is owned by owner-occupiers. When you consider that only 30% is available for rental in a market where we've got a housing crisis and an affordability issue, we yeah. do need more investors in, in, in property ownership. So certainly in a downturning market, there are opportunities. There will be some distressed sales that will come back onto market. They're typically, um, you know, properties that are coming onto market because of relationship breakup. So I uh, inspected one yesterday that's settling for a client of mine that's a breakup, and we've bought that very well. Um, And we bought that uh, six weeks ago. So it's uh, it's a fine example. Uh, It's automatically in a positive situation. He's made money on it now already because we've bought it below what market value is. And so I do look out for those. And I think my advice to buyers is to have a good relationship with a selling agent in the respect of having them contact you when things do come on market. But an agent will sell to the person they can sell the easiest to at the highest price. Just remember that because they're being paid by the vendor.
0: Good um, We shouldn't be upset about that. I mean, that is their job. <laughs>
1: job that's their
0: they job. just they don't have to relish it so much all the time <laughs> you know <laughs> so so if you are buying in a declining market it begs the question well how do you know you're you're buying well especially if say the comparables are quite a few months uh old and the market has has decreased since then how do you sort of get that equilibrium how do you get a sense for for what you should be paying
1: yes that's a great question As a buyer's agent, um, I spend a lot of time talking to selling agents and uh, asking questions. And because I do buy from them and I'm, I'm not just one person buying, I'm a representative of a lot of people, they probably share more information with me than they would if I was just... A person buying a property, so I do get a bit of internal uh, intel on properties and get a better understanding for why it's being sold, where they're going to, um, what you know, what the dynamics are for the sale. That's really important. Um, I think the next um, aspect of understanding the value of the property is how much the owner wants. What the market has done in the previous three months. So, as a buyer's agent, I've got access to um, to data, and yes, it is a there is a lag in the data, but the data we access as real estate agents and buyers agents is better quality than what you're getting as a as a just as a consumer or a home buyer. So, we do look at that, and I certainly do look at that. Um, and then it's a case of what can I get away with if yep. I put an offer on that I've got a gut feeling that is is what the property is worth and I think the owner's going to jump at it. It's all about how I position the conditions and um, it's it's a sure sale. So my clients are always finance approved when I put an offer on a table and I like to not have too many conditions hanging off the end of that offer yep. um, and I go in low. So that will give you an, uh, an idea of their appetite and where they're sitting. Because yep. at the end of the day, you know, you'll you'll buy it for what an owner's prepared to let it go for mm-hmm. um, and you don't know until you start to play that to and fro and get a feel for where they're sitting in terms of their expectations.
0: Yeah. And when you say low and let's say the, the price is listed for 650, I mean, yeah. low could be 400 and you could in, insult everybody and they'll never speak to you again. You know, so uh, what what does low mean to you? You know, like how do you understand where is the line of insult and where is the line of obviously they're not going to accept it, but I want to be conditioning them a little bit closer to what I'm comfortable with. How do you, I mean, apart from experience, how, how do you figure that out? The Give for Growth Property Investing Podcast is presented by our business MCG Quantity Surveyors you're an investor or a property professional looking to get the best tax depreciation deductions for yourself or your clients, please get in touch with us at mcgqs.com.au. It's our mission to help as many property investors as we can to maximize their claims and maximize their property education
1: as well. It is experience and it is all the nuances, the things that you talk to the agent about in the lead up um to putting an offer in. So there's a timing factor to it as well. If you go in too soon with an offer mark, you'll be disregarded because they haven't had enough market feedback. So yeah. you've got to get the sweet spot of timing. But if something's listed for offers above 650 I go in at a, at a reasonable level that will make them take notice, but below what they're saying is the starting point. Yes. So at 6.50, I would go in probably around 6.35, maybe 6.40, depending on the information I've received. Yes. And I would then have um, uh, the idea in my mind would be I'd go up by five and then I'm out. Um, so... I, That's my approach, and obviously I speak to my clients about it. If the client is really keen on the property and definitely wants to buy it, we might edge up by another 5 or 10. But typically every time you go up 5 or 10, it's 5 or 10, you may not have had to go up. So I'll go in at about 6.35, 6.40 and see where where that lands. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very rare in this market at the moment that you're buying at the top end of of an agent's range, and you shouldn't be. Um, so I'd caution anybody to be throwing offers in at the top range um, for the sake of getting a property. Um, definitely keep it to the bottom end. And then understand what the median price value is of properties in that area. So the other number that I look at is sales volume. Sales volume is more real time, and that gives you an indication of whether prices are moving upwards in trend with the sales volume lifting, or if prices are going to turn and go downwards because sales volume has dropped.
0: Yeah, so there's a correlation between uh, a declining market and decreasing volume,
1: and price. Yep. They marry, yeah. So as as sales volumes decline, vendor discounting goes up.
0: Mm, yeah, and then I suppose that's another stat that we can look at: vendor discounting and days on market and things like that. What what strikes me is really interesting is you know you're sort of saying you know six thirty five, six forty you know we're talking about $5,000 there and when you when we when we're buying houses it's kind of like oh yeah 635 640 but if you were to put $5,000 into somebody's bank account and say do you want that or should i have it back it's a very different emotional connection that you have to the money you know what advice would you have to people that you know maybe just kind of are a little bit little bit of a rabbit in the headlights when they're negotiating on a negotiating on a property and could actually get themselves into a position where they're paying five or ten more than what they need to. Yes, they might be happy to to secure that property, but really they owe it to themselves to try and negotiate as best they can because that five or ten thousand dollars in their bank might be a completely different situation for them.
1: Well there's a couple of factors to this, and it's a great question. That five thousand could put you into a new bracket for for stamp duty. Uh-huh. So that five thousand could actually make quite a big difference on stamp duty. That's something something to consider. The other thing is discipline is the one word I say to my clients. So before we start the journey, we identify a house. I do the searching. I do the due diligence, and then I sit with them and say, "This is what I think it's worth. This is how this is how much I think I can pay for it. What is our out point? We need to agree on the out point before I even begin. So then, if it is one thousand or two thousand, we've already drawn the line in the sand we don't drop our discipline. So if it's listed for offers above 650, and we say the out point is 655, and the agent comes back to me and says, well, we're at 654, will you put another 2000 in, I can go back to the agent and say, well, actually, there's 1000 in it, and there's no more after that. Mm. So it's just a demonstration. Yes, it's only a grand, but it's it's 1000 more than what you needed to pay. So whether it's 5, 1, 10, 15, have a very clear plan on what your outnumber is. And I think that will save you from making mistakes.
0: Yeah, I think that's awesome advice. And not all of us are Australian Institute of Sport competitive swimmers like you have been in the past life. So discipline, I'm assuming, comes very easily to you. But discipline is super important, like you say, when you're thinking, okay, well, what is good value and what's not? What would we walk away at? And I think, as you sort of pointed out, before, especially important in uh, an auction situation, right? Because that's where discipline really gets tested because you're kind of thinking, oh, you know, that guy came in here, he's a bit of a jerk, he thinks he knows everything and I really want to beat him and, you know, and I don't want to come to another one of these. You have to sign up and it's a bit demoralising that when the agent's sort of like, hey, how are you going? And then they go, oh, you're you're one of the registered bidders, aren't you? Come here to my VIP section. You know, it, it. I I'm, I'm a victim of this myself, just to the point of going, I'm sick of looking at stuff. I'll have that one. You know, mm. is, is that the best way for people uh, to approach this, especially an auction is to have that plan just absolutely concrete before they go there? Because you don't want to be looking at your significant other, right? Because that's giving signals to to the auctioneer that we don't even understand
1: hundred percent. So I would say straight up, um, the first thing you must have a plan in place before you head off to auction that you're paying no more than X,Y,Z. So if your number is a million, stick to it because in the threat or in the sorry, in the in the heat, of an auction, several things come into play. It's an emotional response that you're going to be giving. It's an egotistical response. There's a lot of ego in auctions, um, particularly when you start to get into high-demand property. Um, And there is this element of we all want to win. So um, just and, and, and it's very easy, you know, just another one, just another two, just another. Some auctions go up in $500 lots when it gets to the back end of the auction. So, very quickly, your 500 bid up, bid up can end up being another 10,000 in an auction and it can happen very fast. I actually take timing of when bids come in, particularly when I've been doing them on phone or over a video call. I log them into my WhatsApp tool with my clients so that they're real time with me. And I've seen them go from a million to 3 million in like five minutes so things can move very quickly you've got to be very careful discipline is the most important at an auction
0: hmm. now in these declining markets uh when, when we've, we've sort of talked a little bit about you know there's a lack of competition we're likely looking lower than the price brackets but you you of course need to have an attractive offer you have to have something that speaks to the selling agent at, at the vendor right because you know there's a huge loss aversion for people that have maybe bought something and they, they're they selling it for a loss or they're not really breaking even, or they're just kind of thinking, you know, if we don't get this, we'll just probably hold on to the thing. Like not everyone has to chuck it away. So how do you get that balance of, of, of making it sort of look attractive, but also trying to get something where you feel like you might actually be nipping under market value?
1: So I've got access to um, information that tells me what that owner paid for that property and when they bought it, and what the market was doing at the time. That gives me some insight to what the owner's expectations are going to be. Nobody likes to sell something at a loss, but under the circumstances and knowing what the circumstances to sell are about, then you can gauge what the appetite might be to take a hit if that's what potentially they're going to be doing. So in a marriage breakup, that's certainly it's a necessity to sell. If they're under financial pressure because someone's lost a job, they need to sell. So the decision to walk away from something at a loss becomes less of an issue and it's more about getting the sale done. Um, I think the key here is um, to give the vendor security and the knowledge that once they accept an offer, it's going to go through. It's not going to fall over. Mm -hmm. And things that can make a deal fall over, are finance approval not being received, um, the sale in the chain of another property selling, um, so if the buyer has one to sell and that's conditional on the offer. So my tactic is to come in with very few conditions. Yeah. The only conditions I ever put in an offer are building and pest and I always make sure I get those done. And this is another thing I just want to bring to attention because so many people buy properties without getting the building and pest report done because it costs, can cost $1, $1,200 in some states. But if you get one done and there's a problem with the property, you go back to the table and renegotiate. And that could mean another 10 15 20,000 off the buy price yeah. and i use the building and pest report if there are defects to do exactly that so they're the only conditions i put in and then that way the vendor is secure in the knowledge that if i accept this offer yeah it's not as great as i expected it to be but at least it's a sale and i can move on
0: mm. uh, and, and-, and you know and they're aware of the defect and we've agreed that this is how we're going to negotiate that and they're still happy to proceed an interesting comment you made about looking at what somebody paid for their property in your mind are you kind of thinking look if they bought at a good time and they made you know a ton of cash then they're they're more likely to be reasonable than someone that's maybe looking at a loss or a break-even situation
1: yeah, so I think I think you can't isolate it out from the reason for selling. So I think the two go hand in hand. Yeah. If somebody's made a lot of money on the on the uh, on the ownership period and they're not under stress to sell, then yes, they're going to be more reasonable than somebody who is not under stress to sell but is potentially selling at a loss. That is more likely the the the, the seller that will hang on to it and not sell. Um, Whereas someone who's in distress and losing, they've just got to offload it because it's one less problem in their life. Yep. There for the buyer. They're a good buy. They're an unfortunate sell for the person who's having to sell out. But there are a few of those around. There aren't as many as the media might like us to believe that there is. But certainly um, even, you know, if a property has been held for seven years, even with the downturn, that owner, if they've bought sensibly seven years ago, they're making good money on that property. Yeah, and I think
0: most people have unless you've bought a high-rise apartment in in a completely oversupplied location and there are plenty of those. Most people outside of that have probably done okay. So yeah, hopefully there are some good Opportunities for us. Just to recap, could you give us say your top three tips? So we're looking at purchasing something in a market that is, is well and truly off its peak. The prices are, are dropping. Um, let's say it's not a crash, but you know, the typical downturn that we see with Australian property. What are you what are your most important tips, Joe?
1: The first one is know what not know what you're looking for. So have a very clear view about what you're trying to find, how many bedrooms what the block size needs to be. The next tip would be understand what the market is doing in that particular pocket, in that street, in that neighbourhood and have a look at sales over the last three months. Um, And you can do that on real estate, although a lot of them are undisclosed, but this is again, why you would probably look to using somebody like a buyer's agent. And you don't have to use a buyer's agent for the total project. You can just engage by work for clients just on the negotiation phase Or conversely, I can just do the searching for them and give them advice on what the market value of property is. And that's a smaller engagement. Um, but it's a worthwhile one. So yeah. understand what you're looking to buy. Understand the market you're buying in. What is selling around you? What has been selling? And then the last tip is negotiate fairly, but be but but be clear about what your out price is going to be. So when do you walk away? What is the bottom? Uh, what what is the top number for you? And I would say in that negotiation, be firm, be confident, and be disciplined. I think they're three really good in, and important tips.
0: Beautiful. I completely agree. And I think if people just keep those thoughts in mind, they're going to have success no matter what. Joe, it was a genuine pleasure. Thanks for sharing all your wisdom today.
1: Thank you for having me, Mike. I've enjoyed it. Take care.
0: Cheers.